Welcome to AZ Politicast, I'm Steve Goldstein. For years, polling numbers have indicated that the public is dissatisfied with Congress as a whole, and often with their own representatives too. But incumbents are incredibly successful at keeping their seats for several different reasons, including name recognition, funding mechanisms, and a support team ready to spread the word about how well the representative is serving constituents. Many would argue, though, especially these days, that the constituents being served are the core base of the representative's party and not the district or community in the broader sense. And with the combination of gerrymandered districts and the way most states' primaries are set up, incumbents, or typically the most conservative candidate in a Republican primary or the most progressive in a Democratic primary, don't face much competition. States across the country, including Arizona, are proposing measures that would open up primaries and give independent candidates an equal chance to take part, and even eliminate taxpayer funding for partisan primaries. Political strategist and consultant Chuck Coughlin is a leader in Arizona's efforts to reform primaries with a proposed 2024 initiative called Make Elections Fair AZ. My conversation with him on the AZ Politicast podcast starts in just a few seconds. Why is it time to get rid of the partisan primaries that taxpayers pay for but don't get to take full part in? Yeah, it's, I mean, that's the whole premise of Make Elections Fair is the equality of treating all candidates and all voters the same. Uh, right now, if you're an unaffiliated voter, um, you have to request a Republican or Democratic ballot. Um, unaffiliated voters now are the majority of the electorate. So the question should be, well, just that. Why am I requesting one ballot or the other? Why isn't everybody just on the same ballot and let me choose? Um, that's obviously a tool that the partisans use to further divide the electorate into smaller and smaller groups. So what we're trying to do is promote, you know, a broadest possible, more competition on the ballot and let the entire electorate decide who wants who they want to vote for um, and not use taxpayer dollars to subsidize one of these two parties or both parties. But the deep, dark secret behind it all and what most people fail to understand is that 80 percent of legislators and congressmen. Let's think about that, Steve. Your, your Congress and your legislature makes up what we call our political culture today. And we all look at the president. We all look at senators and governors. But really what you need to govern if you're them is a legislative body. And those bodies dominate our political culture. And 80% of them all get elected in a primary where less than, you know, 15% of Democrats participate and about 20% of Republicans participate. And people go, no, 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 wait. That they, they have general elections. They do. But the problem is that all of those candidates 80% of legislative and congressional districts are safe districts. That means it's either a Republican or a Democrat that's going to win that district. So once you clear the primary, you're done and you're in the office because the other party is not competitive. So what we're trying to do, the baseline understanding of what we're trying to do at Make Elections Fair is introduce that age-old American uh tool uh, called competition, because we think competition creates better results. And we think competition will produce better candidates, better choices, 
and a better Arizona at the end of the day. Too many of us today look at the general election ballot and go, really? This is the best I got? And that's a problem, which is which is created by the primary. And so that's our goal is to fix that and to create more competition so everybody's on the same ballot. Voters can vote for anybody they want to. Voters can sign anybody's petition that they want to. And most importantly, if you're an independent candidate, you too can be on that ballot. Right now, candidates aren't even independent candidates aren't even permitted to be on a partisan ballot. That doesn't make any sense when a majority of the electorate now is unaffiliated. So we want to get rid of this antiquated tool, which we, and I believe, creates most of the political division in our country and let the voters decide. There's no decision yet, even if voters decide that they want this make elections no. fair, they want open primaries. How does that next step potentially come about, whether it's going to be top two or three or four or five, whatever? Yeah. So our focus is on the primary okay. and we're agnostic. I mean, truly agnostic about what happens in the general election, because we believe the single most important reform is competition in the primary. So what we decided to do, answering your very thoughtful question, was to leave it up to others. We, we leave it up to the governor and the legislature to decide how, how many candidates are going to move forward. You know, now you get a Democrat and a Republican. What we are saying to the de to the legislature is create a system with the following parameters. You can move forward up to five. You could put five candidates forward if you wanted to. Um, that's as many as you could put forward, but as few as two. You could also put two forward. So you could still have like a top two, two choices, um, which, you know, many people will say, well, that's, that's not a big reform. Well, it's a better reform because many of these districts, you'll have a, a Democrat running against a Democrat or a Republican running against a Republican or an independent running against somebody. It creates more competition than that exists right now than having a Republican run against a Democrat in a Democratic district where the Democrats guaranteed to win. So a top two would, would be better than what we have right now. But what we also say to the legislature is if it's three or more candidates, if you decide to move three or more candidates forward, that's three, four, or five, that you have to rank the ballot, meaning you have to let voters vote one, two, three, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, five, in terms of preference. Because what we don't want is moving like three candidates forward and somebody winning the election with 35 or 40 percent of the vote. That is the that is the exact opposite of what we're trying to create. We're trying to create an atmosphere where a winner in a general election can feel that they represent a majority of their district. They're accountable to a majority of the voters in their district. But so whatever the legislature tries to do is be better than what we have right now, but we're not hung up on that. Our hang up and our major selling theme is to fix the primary because the primary is the primary problem. There's also a feeling that voters have to take some responsibility, especially if if open primaries uh, based on make elections fair comes comes across that we want to make it clear that fewer and fewer of these elections are decided in the primary, as you're arguing. But I'm putting the cart before the horse. I'm saying. I'm saying you're going to win this. This is going to happen. Right. 
What sort of pressure does this put on voters, though, to actually realize, hey, you know what, I have more power than I did two years ago, for example? Right. right. Well, but that's the beauty of what we're doing. We're not, we're not dictating a form of election in the Constitution. This is a constitutional amendment. It's a big deal. And so what we said was leave that decision up to the legislature. So if the legislature decides, say, in 2000, and we've given them a deadline, they have to adopt the system by the uh, 1st of November of 25 for the 26 elections. And if they fail to do that, we order the Secretary of State to do it. And then that Secretary of State will promulgate a system. But that's all reviewable. So if the legislature and the governor don't like that, they can come up with another solution. And in the future, because what we found in a lot of our research is younger voters really like ranked choice voting. They like ranking the ballot. Older voters do not. So it can be changed in the future by future legislators, uh, legislatures and governors to reflect the will of the electorate. You don't have to go back and change the law because today ranked choice voting is illegal in Arizona. You cannot do it. So what voters will be doing here, if they choose to support this amendment, is to create a, a system that's flexible, that creates much more competition in the primary, and is flexible in the general election in terms of what the outcome will be. And you know what I say to people, Steve, is, hey, democracy is not easy. You got to work at it. It's that old, it's that old adage, you know, that uh, it's it's democracy is the worst form of government except for every other. But it, it is it is true that it is difficult. There's going to be more candidates on the ballot now. People are going to have to discern. People are going to have to learn about those candidates. You're going to have to pay attention. Um, I'm believing that in the age of information, the age of the Internet, that's all available to people. And people can go out and learn and can educate themselves. They can be motivated um, and people can learn about the choices in front of them, similar to the legislature that we elect. Um, and it'll be a new legislature. It's not the legislature that's down there now. This will be the legislature that gets created as a result of the 24 elections. We'll be considering how to do this. And we can lobby them. You can go lobby your legislator as to what you want to do. You know, there'll be, there'll be organizations down there uh, lobbying for ranked choice voting. We're lobbying for that. There'll be others, more conservatives, saying top two is enough. We don't need more than any of that. You know, that's what other states have done. Um, but, you know, Alaska has a competitive system. California has a more competitive system than we have. Um, Australia and Alaska have always done ranked choice voting. Uh, or Australia and Ireland yeah. have always done ranked choice voting. And, you know, our opponents say, well, it's too confusing and it's too hard. And my response to that was, I, I don't really think of Irishmen and Australians as being inherently smarter than Arizonans. <laughs> I think we. And you're all... saying that as an Irishman, so watch out. I don't know. I am, and I'm still optimistic about that, despite being Irish. <laughs> and everybody listening to this knows that you're one of the sharpest, savviest political minds around. But you're also someone who was aligned with the Republican Party for a very long time, and you know you were a guy who was in the trenches and, and fighting as, as tough as anybody else did. So, you know, when I talk to Chuck Coughlin about this particular issue, I feel like, boy, you really seem like there's a great sincerity to you about the system. Not that you weren't sincere before, but you come across <laughs> as just, just a really, like this is really in your gut and in your soul. So beyond what uh, former President Trump did to the GOP or yeah. people allowed it to, it, it, was there something deeper for you about this particular issue made you want to get involved? 
Well, what I was attracted to the Republican Party as a young man growing up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, not actually a bastion of conservatism, um, but my dad was like the treasurer of Governor Romney's campaign at one point in Michigan. My mom was a you know reactionary Republican in the liberal throes of Ann Arbor at the time. Um, and you know what what I learned about growing up there and the discussions around the dinner table that we'd have, and then as I matured in politics, was I believed my takeaway was the Republican Party was more the party of ideas um, about floating ideas, you know, the Reagan ideas, um, you know, onto the Bush administration when I was growing up, um, there was more innovation. There was more thoughtful approach to governing, which captured my heart in a John McCain. John McCain was a guy who I believed was a guy about ideas and the deployment, the thoughtful deployment of American military resources, the opportunity that the American economy affords everybody that there ought to be an equal opportunity to economic success. Those were all things that appealed to me about the Republican Party, you know, and I'm and I'm fondly, you know, my my reaction on the Democratic side, you know, as the famous uh, humorous Will Rogers used to say, you know, I'm not a member of a uh, of an organized political party. I'm a Democrat. And, you know, and I remember Ted Kennedy saying, you know, we have as a criticism of the Democratic Party, which it resonated with me that we have to be uh, more than the Labor Party. We have to be more than the Women's Party. We have to be more than uh, you know the minority party. We have to be citizens first. And I think the Democratic Party has always struggled to define what that means outside of the grievance culture that, that has dominated that party for so long. Well, guess what? That grievance culture caught up in the form of Donald Trump, and he made a parody of the Republican Party, which today is just a grievance party of its own. Um, there aren't any good ideas left. As I said earlier in this discussion, it's uh, we, we, we are faced with the lesser of two evils, of, uh, always with our choices of candidates, it seems. There's nobody that's inspirational there anymore. And I think the reform that we're seeking here is really a desire to reinvigorate the electoral environment and and uh, I'll let Americans decide about who inspires them, not who most vocalizes their grievance. Uh, you know, like I said at the beginning, the the narrowness of these folks and the, the 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 number of people that vote in primaries. You know, why would I vote in a primary anymore? I don't like the candidates that are running. They don't inspire me anymore. Um, and they they end up representing very narrow segments of both parties. And so that doesn't inspire me. So I don't go vote. Well, I'm hoping that this reform creates that inspirational mechanism to attract more and brighter and better candidates to the ballot. I mean, I can't I, I have I've talked many, many more people out of running for office than I've ever talked into running for office. Because the fine people that I meet, and I can tell you like two examples in the last election cycle, Republicans, Bo Lane came to me and he said, who's on our Make it uh, make Elections Fair Committee? He said, I want to run for Secretary of State. I said, you can't, Bo. And he goes, no, I, I can't. I, 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 will, I will win. <laughs> I go, no, you won't. <laughs> I said, here's who votes. These people are election deniers. They're hardcore Trumpists. This is 20% of the Republican Party. 
And that's the environment you're competing in. It's not a, you know, I have to request a Republican ballot as an independent. I'm not likely to do that because I don't like the party. It's not who attracts me. And and I, there's no competition. Everybody huddles around this very small campfire of, a, of an idea and begins parroting the same thing. And so you're not going to win. I had another guy, Andy Gould, who's the former Supreme Court justice who resigned for attorney general, who a friend took to me to meet him. And I showed him who was going to vote. And I said, God bless you, Andy. You're not going to win. Um, he's clearly the most qualified candidate on the Republican side. There was nobody close with his credentials and he didn't win. And he came back to me later and said, I got to help you. This is just badly broken. And so, you know, those are the inspirational stories that sort of motivate me to try and recreate what I thought was at one time a much more competitive electoral environment. Um, I believe the things that have degraded that um, is the amount of money being spent in politics, um, the amount of dark money that uh, has been spent in politics, which we eliminated in this last cycle out here, at least in Arizona, and then the advent of social media and the internet and the ability of people to broadcast to smaller and smaller segments of the electorate and feel like they are, you know, you know, it's the old oh, I'm really popular. My Facebook page is blowing up. You know, you're like, oh, that's, you know, 100 people following you. Well, congratulations. You know, so uh, that's that's the idea of what popularity is today in politics. And we got to break that. We, we have to, if the democracy is going to survive, we got to open this antiquated system up to the good old idea of American competition. And I know that what you're talking about applies to Democrats and Republicans as well, though it seems yep. more like Republicans right now. Can a system like you're talking about, the reform that you want to make with Make Elections Fair, can it lessen the chance of an Andy Biggs, an Eli Crane, a Paul Gosar? Are we going to see better candidates or are these other candidates going to try to fill the electorate a little bit? So this is what I like. So, I mean, historically, as you've uh, pointed out, I've been a political consultant since the beginning of my life in Arizona. And what I like about this is, so back to that example of those two gentlemen coming to me and saying, I want to run, is they would come to me today and I would say, you can't run because your voter is not there. I would say to them, who's your voter? What do you believe? You know, and they'd say, well, I'm for school choice. Uh, I'm pro, uh, pro-life. Um, I, I want to have smaller government. Um, but I want to work on adoption agencies. I'm not totally against abortion. I, uh, I think women should have a right up to fetal viability. Um, I think that, you know, there's um, on immigration. I'm in favor of immigration reform. Um, I believe we absolutely need to secure our border. So in all of those things, they've, like, they've told me who their voter is. So then as a consultant, my job is to go identify those constituencies within any election and then turn them out. Right now, I can't do that because what you have is you're either a Republican or you're you're a Democrat and you're appealing to the very extreme segments of those parties. What now you can do is I can say, well, some of your candidates, some of your voters are independents, some of your voters are Democrats, some of your voters are Republicans. And I can target those voters and turn them out for you. I know who your voters are. You can bond with this segment of the electorate 
We're going to make you super popular with that segment of the electorate. We're going to motivate that segment of the electorate to turn out. And they have every right to turn out now because there's no barrier to participation anymore. I can request a ballot. You're on the ballot with everybody else. I'm going to vote for you. And so that allows me as a consultant to do my job. Right now, the worst, <laughs> my, my industry, the political consultant industry has deteriorated into a shoebox. Get either you're, you're, it's aisle, it's, it's a Soviet grocery store. You get aisle A or you get aisle B. That's it. That's all your choices. We're done. And now I just want to have a supermarket. I want to have a supermarket of candidates and ideas that I can choose from, motivate the electorate on, and you can run a campaign you're proud of that reflects who you are. And you don't have to jog to the left or jog to the right in the general election to, you know, true up yourself now to another segment of the electorate. Just say who you are and let me run a campaign. All right, let me close with an unanswerable question, which is always great. This is why I'm not an attorney, because you're not supposed to ask questions <laughs> like this. So looking at the U.S. Senate race, I expect Senator Sinema to run. I expect that to be a three-person race with Ruben Gallego and then whoever the Republicans nominate. Um, how impactful could the outcome of that be? And I know we're talking about they're going to happen at the same time if, you're, yeah. if your measure gets on the ballot. So it's not like you're going to wait till 26 and see how that works out. But how impactful could the outcome of that race be when people are thinking, I would like to see someone win with 50 plus one, and I'd like it to be this person or the other, as opposed to maybe someone winning with 37% of the vote? Well, let's think about that. So let's think about all of the candidates that are going to be in that race, all appearing on the same ballot at the same time. That would be enthusiastic. So, so cinema is not currently on a primary ballot. So she has to run a campaign out, her name's not on the first ballot. So she has to wait till the general election. Well, the campaign's about her. So she ought to be on the ballot. And in this cycle, she's not on the primary election ballot. And so you would allow the, her to run a campaign to tell voters who she is. And then voters can choose between, you know, presumptively Carrie Lake and presumptively Ruben Gallego. And that would be a fair election. Um, and, and Mark Lamb, the sheriff from Pinal County, would probably be on that as well. Maybe an open primary also recruits other people into that arena. But I, the outcome, I don't know, Steve. That's a very interesting. How great would it be to have a full campaign with all those candidates, not just the last 30 days of the campaign or the last 60 days of the campaign, but let's be campaigning now like everything's on the line. <laughs> Let's let's have everybody narrating their own campaign. That would be super exciting to see an environment where we could all vote on all of those candidates all at once and make that determination. It sounds like a dreamland, Chuck, but the way you put it, maybe it's not. Maybe it won't be. Well, maybe voters the U.S. Constitution has permitted us to dream because the U.S. Constitution says states have the right to determine how we elect our people that represent our state. Our founders gave us this opportunity. We need to exercise those muscles and take that opportunity back because it's been hijacked by money and by the extremist views of both parties. And so we need to create competition if we're going to save America. Chuck Hoffman, a man behind high ground and also the leader of the pack on Make Elections Fair, Arizona. Chuck, always a pleasure to talk with you, my friend. Thank you. I love talking to you, Mr. Goldstein. As always, it's always fun to, to, to share thoughts with my friend, Steve. 
Thanks again to Chuck Coughlin, President and CEO of High Ground and a leader of Make Elections Fair AZ. To listen to previous editions of AZ Politicast, please search Apple Podcasts and Spotify. When you find AZ Politicast, I hope you subscribe, rate, and review. To give me guests and topic suggestions, please send an email to azpoliticast at gmail.com. That's azpoliticast at gmail.com. Music for this podcast is from Epidemic Sound. Thanks for listening to AZ Politicast. I'm Steve Goldstein.